Mark chapter 7, verse number 26. Say amen when you got it. Amen. The Bible says, The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by nation, and she besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. 726, The woman was a Greek, Syrophoenician by nation, and she besought Jesus that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. And I want to preach to you on this very simple subject, not by birth, but still blessed. Not by birth, but still blessed. Jesus, I thank you for your word. Your word is powerful and it is anointed. God, I need your spirit to touch me right now and to preach to your people a word that would bless them and encourage them, strengthen them, open up my mind and my heart and my understanding. In Jesus' name we pray. And somebody say amen. Amen. The Lord bless you. You may be seated. Amen. In this seventh chapter of Mark, Jesus enters into a region uh, known as Tyre and Sidon. There are two cities in Jesus is somewhere in between these two cities. And um, at first, it's not obvious why he has entered into uh, this particular region. Uh, So our next step is to perhaps scan through the chapter and try to figure out possible motives. Uh, Jesus, if you read carefully, finishes arguing and rebuking the Pharisees and the scribes for their patent love of contrived commandments. He is uh, going back and forth with them about what the word of God really says and what is a commandment of scripture and what is not. He follows this argument with the Pharisees and the scribes uh, by explaining to the onlookers, which were many, um, that what they really need Um, is uh, a clean heart, not clean utensils. Uh, Because the scribes and the Pharisees had been arguing with Jesus about how his disciples uh, would eat without washing their hands and how that his disciples uh, would eat without washing pots and utensils first, uh, which was customary, but it was a man-made commandment. And um, there was a ton of people that had gotten caught in the crossfire. And so Jesus is having to answer the questions of the Pharisees and the scribes. But those that were caught in the crossfire are also curious as to who's really right. And so Jesus begins to explain to them, it's not what goes in your mouth that defiles you, but it's what comes out of your heart that defiles you. Uh, And it doesn't really matter how clean your hands are if you got a filthy heart. Amen. And so Jesus is having to explain all of this. And when you see these arguments that he is having with his foes, and you see these explanations that he's having to give to his friends, it becomes rather... Um, uh, what emerges from that is a possible reason for why he is entering into Tyre and Sidon. And I want you to stop and consider why I'm making a little bit of a deal about him going into Tyre and Sidon. And Tyre and Sidon were predominantly heathen and non-religious. They did not honor the God of Israel. Uh, They were pretty run over with 
uh, people who just didn't really care about religion, let alone God. And Jesus is now uh, going into this city. And um, chances are nobody would have even cared that he had come into this city. Um, And furthermore, Jesus is not only going into a city where people don't care that he's there. He makes a request of a particular man uh, to not tell anybody that he is there. Amen. The Bible says specifically, he entered into a house and would have no man to know it. And so Jesus is wanting to get away. Jesus is wanting to distance himself and separate himself, not just from his foes, but even from his friends. Mm -hmm. Jesus wants to be alone. Jesus wants some repose. Jesus wants to get away from all the noise. But at last, Jesus cannot do it. Jesus is sitting in this house, which is in a city where nobody he cares that he's there. He knows nobody cares that he's there. But he's also put on a second layer of, 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 uh, of, Hiddenness, And he goes into a house and he tells the man of the house, don't tell anybody I'm here. But Jesus could not be hid because as he's sitting in this house, the Bible says that a particular woman comes into the house and she begins to tell Jesus about her problems. Um, She tells Jesus that she has a daughter who has been taken hostage by an unclean spirit. This woman has a daughter who is demon possessed. Um, Matthew describes it as grievously vexed by the devil. Um, The literal Greek uh, translates it that she is badly demonized. This woman and her daughter are in big trouble. And uh, their problem or their trouble is not just of a critical nature. They are also having chronological problems as well. This woman has come to the right person for help. Amen. But she has come at the wrong time or so it seems. And uh, before I explain to you what I mean by a chronological problem, I want you to understand that when you read the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Uh, While they are sectioned into the New Testament and all of our Bibles, they document a period of time, which is technically the Old Testament. And when we talk about the Old Testament, we are talking about a certain level of exclusiveness. We are talking about God dealing solely with one group of people. One group of people are the sole beneficiaries of God's blessings, salvation, and goodness. And this woman does not fall into that category. In fact, the writer Mark and Matthew uh, both go out of their ways to let you know that she was a Syrophoenician woman. Amen. And that's just terminology for saying she just was not Jewish. She was not, amen, of those entitled to God's blessing. Um, But this woman somehow understands this. And so her first tactic is to fall at the feet of Jesus. Um, She doesn't say anything. And perhaps maybe to not reveal who she is. But nevertheless, she falls at the feet of Jesus. And uh, uh, this is not even part of my message. But let me say this. There's something powerful about falling at the feet of Jesus. Amen. Falling at the feet of Jesus. And I don't know if this woman had heard about other people who had fallen at the feet of Jesus. But when you look through the Bible of all the people that fell at the feet of Jesus, amen, something powerful always happened. The Bible says that Jairus fell at the feet of Jesus and his daughter was healed. Amen. The Bible says that Martha fell at the feet of Jesus and had all her sins forgiven. Amen. Uh, 
the, the centurion fell at the feet of Jesus and had his servant healed. There's something powerful about falling at the feet of Jesus. Amen. A lot of people don't like to get low, but let me just tell you right now, amen, if you can fall at the feet of Jesus, there's no telling what Jesus might do. Hallelujah. Uh, but unfortunately, this time, falling at the feet of Jesus is just not going to get the job done. And so she raises her voice and she begins to explain to Jesus her dilemma. And she yells at Jesus that she has a demon-possessed daughter, a daughter who is badly demonized, as the scripture says it. And Jesus pivots in an attempt to restrain himself, not to avoid this woman, not to ignore this woman, but to restrain himself. Because I am of the opinion that even if Jesus had a mission, and even if Jesus had a focus, there was something in the heart of Jesus that just responded to genuine faith and genuine desperation. And Jesus looks at this woman. I can only imagine maybe holding back some tears. The scripture tells us repeatedly that when Jesus healed people, that he would be filled with compassion. But here he has this woman who is technically at the right place, but at the wrong time. And he tells her, let the children be first filled. And then he goes on to tell her, it is not meat for me to give the children's bread to the dogs. If, in modern English, if you don't know what he's saying, is he saying, woman... I didn't come to feed the dogs. I can't give you, amen, the blessing that is for the exclusive, the privileged Jewish people. This is not for you. Now, the intent of this statement is to reinforce, in my opinion, he is trying to reinforce the parameters of his mission, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Jesus is staying focused. He's letting her know, and maybe even himself, I'm not here for this. Uh, In fact, Jesus, just a few verses earlier uh, in Matthew, uh, when you read the same account in Matthew, he says, I have not come but for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Uh, He even tells his disciples uh, as he sends them off while he goes to Tyre and Sidon, he even tells them to not go in the way of the Gentiles. He specifically tells his own folk, Stay away from the Syrophoenicians. Uh, Don't go in the way of the Gentiles. And here he is in this house. And now he is being approached by a Gentile. And he is now trying to restrain himself from doing what he told his own disciples not to do. Amen. Uh, But this desperate mother is now being forced, amen, to think quickly on her feet. Uh, And uh, I ain't even got time to talk about this. But, you know, a lot of times we get upset that God allows us to get into desperate situations. But had it not been for desperate situations, some of us never would have put our brains in gear. Hallelujah. Had it not been for desperate situations, some of us never would have, amen, hallelujah, put ourselves into action. And there's just something about desperation that makes people's gears begin to click. Amen. And this desperate woman is now faced... Amen. With the dilemma of being born at the wrong time, in the wrong place, to the wrong parents, and of the wrong race. But this mother's desperation for her daughter awakens an instinctive ingenuity and intelligence inside of her. She assesses Jesus' statement about calling her a dog and with quickness responds 
that even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall under the master's table. In other words, she is telling Jesus, the dogs under the table may not be as privileged as the children, but they are of the same household. Amen. Those are the children's dogs. Hallelujah. Praise God. And what she is telling Jesus is, I may be a dog, but I'm your dog. Hallelujah. And I deserve to eat. Hallelujah. And I know that if you're the Lord, hallelujah, when you feed your children, there's probably always leftovers. Hallelujah. I don't know about your house, but I'm constantly trying to restrain myself because I feel like my wife always gives my kids too much food. Hallelujah. And there's just always crumbs everywhere at our house. And, And if you stick around East Bay long enough, when you leave, there'll be crumbs under here. Praise God. Thank God for everybody who vacuums. But um, you, you know that when kids eat, there's just crumbs everywhere. Hallelujah. And this woman says, I, I, got, I, I know what this is. I know what's going on here. And Jesus, I'm telling you, amen, I may not be as privileged. And I may not be one of yours. And I may be here at the wrong time. Amen. But there's got to be something left over. There's got to be a blessing here. Amen. I know you can do something. Hallelujah. And this is not part of my message. But let me just say this. In life, amen, uh, Everybody doesn't have the same start. In life, everybody doesn't start at the same place. And I do believe that there are some people that are privileged. There are people that start way ahead in life. Amen. They may, they may be the beneficiaries of, of wealth. Amen. And, and this, that, and the other. But let me tell you something. Amen. If you're in the house, amen, there's a blessing for you. And with God, all things are possible. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. If you got God on your side, it doesn't matter how far behind the starting line you start. Amen. When you got God, that's a big advantage. Hallelujah. That's a big advantage even in the most disadvantaged situations. Hallelujah. And there's nothing worse than somebody that doesn't realize just how far they can get with God. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. This woman could have let life's adversity. Everyone say adversity. This woman could have let life's adversity and disadvantages keep her from a miracle. She could have said, man, you ain't even nice. You calling me a dog. I'm going to get out of here. But she didn't. Instead, she said, I'm going to get on my feet and think fast. I'm going to talk back. I'm going to get what I came for. Hallelujah. Uh, Instead, she presses. She presses. She presses Jesus. And Jesus even looks at her and he said, man, I've not found faith like this in Israel. Even among my my privileged folk don't even act like this. Tells her, woman, go home. Amen. Your daughter's healed. And the Bible says that by the time she got home, her daughter had been totally healed. I want to talk to you today for a few moments about handling adversity and possessing a blessing. How do I deal with adversity and get a blessing? Amen. How do I deal with adversity and get a blessing? Number one, you need to accept the reality of adversity. You need to accept the reality of adversity. Amen. It is time for all of us to accept the way things are, not the way we wish they were. 
It's okay for you to say, I wish things were different. What is not okay is to sit there with your arms crossed. Amen. Stuck to a chair like glue. Amen. And, 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 and just sit there wishing that things were different when things are not different. At some point, all of us have to say, you know what? This is just the way things are. I'm going to work with what I got. Hallelujah. This is the, this is the situation I got on my hands and wishing it were better is not going to be enough. I'm going to have to get up and try to make it better. Hallelujah. I'm going to have to put some action into this and make things better. Um, Many people, when it comes to adversity, want to discover there's a few options when it comes to adversity. Number one is to avoid it. And that is very unrealistic. I don't care what you're doing. If it's getting up to go to work every day, trying to get through school, trying to raise kids, whatever the situation is, there's going to be adversity involved. Trying to avoid adversity is not an option. So we have to accept it. We have to know that it's there. It is a reality. Amen. And trying to avoid it, in fact, is the most unrealistic thing we could possibly do. Adversity is real. Adversity is coming. If you're not in it right now, just wait. It's on its way. <laughs> it'll, it, it'll be arriving shortly. Praise God. <laughs> Some people... And I might, I might mess with you a little bit here. Some people's only goal when it comes to adversity is to bounce back. You know, some people, they're just like, I want to be a bounce backer. That's, that's what I want to do. When I get hit, I just want to get up. But that is actually the most static position you could take. Because just because you get up doesn't mean you're not going to get knocked down again. Amen. Amen. Like, I... In my day, I remember when I was little, I used to go to Mexico all the time to visit my grandma. My grandma, she was just kind of odd. She was a real old lady that loved watching boxing. <laughs> she loved boxing and, and Mexican wrestling, you know, the one where they put the masks on and stuff. And so I would sit all day watching boxing and Mexican wrestling with my grandma. But, you know, there's nothing more pitiful if you've ever seen a boxing fight than a guy that keeps getting knocked down. It sounds heroic and stuff, like when you're preaching, but you... If you've ever, there's just really nothing very romantic about somebody. I, I've seen enough boxing fights where I just say, man, just stay down. Like you're not going to win at this point. <laughs> so there's just nothing romantic about it. And some people in church, especially we romanticize this, knock me down, but you didn't knock me out. In some cases, you'd be better knocked out because uh, you, you ain't winning. <laughs> and, um and so our goal should not even be to get back up, get back up, get back up. Our goal should be to get back up stronger. 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 We should try to develop a mentality and a lifestyle in which when, we, when stress is pressed upon us, imposed upon us, it actually makes us stronger. And this happens in the real world all the time. If, if those of you who have muscles, you know this, that when you lift muscles, you are putting stress on your muscles. And that stress is what builds the muscle. The way you build muscle is by tearing muscle. Your mu- when, 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 you, when you work out, you are not, your, your muscles are not just bouncing back. 
Amen. You are actually tearing and rebuilding and tearing. And every time you tear, that muscle comes back and it gets stronger. The same thing goes for your children's immunity. I hate seeing my children sick, but there's something about the the stress on their immunity. Amen. That it makes the immunity stronger. That's why some immunizations actually get you sick. Because if they get you sick, your immunity bounces back and it gets stronger. Amen. This is what the this is why the apostle Paul said, had the devil known, amen who Jesus really was he would not have crucified him because he would have known that Jesus being crucified was exactly what needed to happen and the devil the devil the devil wasn't expecting Jesus to come back stronger in fact the first thing Jesus said when he came out of the tomb he said all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth and I have the keys to heaven and hell hallelujah he didn't he Jesus didn't just bounce back he came back stronger than before Exodus 1 and 12. We read this on Wednesday night if you were here. It says, but the more, talking about the, uh, the Egyptians, it says the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. When God put his hand on his own people, Pharaoh started being harsh with them, beating them, busting them up. And the more he did it, the stronger they, didn't, they got. They didn't bounce back. They grew. They multiplied. And how do I do this, Pastor? I'll tell you how you do this. Two ways. Number one, don't look at just bouncing back. Don't try to avoid situations. Face those situations and have your hand on God. Face those situations and have your hand on God. Amen. Don't face them alone. Amen. If you do it on your own, you won't bounce back stronger. Hallelujah. The apostle Paul said, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Amen. Psalms 119 and 67. Amen. David said it this way. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I kept thy word. Psalms 119 and 71. He says, it was good for me that I had been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. One of the keys to adversity and affliction is to always seek God for the reason. And to always trust that whatever is coming your way will make you stronger. Do not give up. You know, we used to make this joke. There was a man who, who, who set out to swim from one distance to the other. And halfway through, he got tired and swam back. <laughs> you, know, you know, when you get into the middle, don't, don't, don't turn. Don't turn back. Just keep going. It's the same distance. You might as well just keep going. If you're knee deep, keep going. Hallelujah. And keep asking God. Keep asking God, teach me thy statutes. Teach me your ways. Make me better. I don't, I don't want to die here, God. Help me to get up. Help me, help me to be stronger. Help me to be resilient. Amen. Help me to learn. Amen. I'm going to be very honest with you. And nobody wants to hear this, but here's the bad news for this morning. Some of you are going through things for no other reason than God is trying to teach you to live right. There are times you're out of God's will. There are times you are doing wrong things. Some of you know it. Some of you do not. Amen. Sometimes we know exactly what we're doing wrong. Other times we have no idea. Amen. Amen. David said, you know what? 
it was good that I was afflicted. Because all of a sudden, I started showing up to church. It was good that I was afflicted. Man, I read the whole gospel in a week. It was good that I was afflicted. Man, I started giving. It was good that I was afflicted. I started praying. It was good that I was afflicted. Man, I started helping out. It was good that I was afflicted. I learned how to forgive. It was good that I was afflicted. Sometimes the purpose is to teach us how to live right. When you are going through adversity, the second thing I want to talk to you about is to build a team. (laughs) I said build a team. Look at your neighbor and say build a team. When you are going through adversity, build a team. Ecclesiastes 4 and 9 says two are better than one. And that's why we're going to have uh, a Valentine's Day social. Praise God. Uh, 2020 is your year. Praise God. Because two are better than one. Two are better than one. Why? Because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall. For if they fall. The one will lift up his fellow. But woe unto him. That is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. And a threefold cord is not easily broken. Hallelujah. And if if you didn't understand all that King James English, let me just say it this way. Get a team. Squad up. Hallelujah. Make sure that you got a team of people, amen, that are helping you through your adversity. Don't fight your situation by yourself. Hallelujah. I promise you, if you're going through something, I can think of five people in this church right now that if you called them and said, meet me at the church, we would meet you here at the church to pray with you. Amen. I promise you as your pastor, if you call me and tell me I'm having a problem, I'll squad up with you. I'll team up with you. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I'm telling you, you got to get a team going in your situation. Amen. Whatever your struggle is, don't fight it alone. Amen. Get, get teamed up with somebody. Partner up with somebody. Talk to somebody. Pray with somebody. Amen. But don't go at it by yourself. If you go at it by yourself, you're going to lose by yourself. You're going to fall by yourself. You're going to be by yourself. Amen. I'm, you, I can't tell you how important. In fact, it has been proven over and over. Brother Robert, you could probably amen me on this one. It has been proven over and over. If you want to overcome addiction, if you want to overcome any kind of addiction, one of the most powerful things you can have is a group of people. You know, a lot of people wonder, like, why, why, why y'all make such a big deal about church attendance? You know why? Because we're trying to squad you up. We're try- I remember one time I went to the barber shop and I saw one of my old friends. And uh, he was really upset at me. I didn't see him in a few years. We actually, he, you know, he was one of those guys last time I saw I mean, in fact, every time I'd ever seen him, he was a real nice guy. Like, real nice and all of a sudden, I seen him at the barbershop, and he got all passive-aggressive on me. And he started just berating me. And he was like, why, why don't you come around no more? Why don't you hang out no more? And so I just kind of clapped back. I was like, well, why don't you come to church? <laughs> like, why, why do I got to go to you? Like, why, why can't you come to me? Why am I the bad person? 
but in my mind, the thing I didn't tell him is, I'll tell you why I don't go around there. Because I don't appreciate my nickname being some cuss word. I need to get around people that say, hey, love you, bro. I need to get around people that say, praying for you, brother. I need, I, need that, I need that positive energy. I need that positive reinforcement. I need those blessings. I need that team. Because I'm trying, I'm trying to raise kids. I'm trying to stay married. I'm trying to stay alive. I'm trying to get healthy. I'm trying to, I'm trying to save some money. I'm trying to build a better life. I'm trying to get ahead. Amen. And you can't do that surrounded with negative people. You can't do that in the wrong team. And you definitely can't do that by yourself. And let me tell you something, being, being connected to the wrong people is one thing. And if you think you're stronger than the group of people you hang out with, you are, you are deceiving yourself. At some point, all of us need to choose our friends wisely because you are not stronger than your friends. And, and I, I've been there. Trust me. I know what it is to come to church and, and tell myself, you know what? I am not going to be an isolationist. I don't want nobody to think that I think I'm better than them. And I go back to my old friends. And before I know it, they're winning. Because they're, they're teamed up. <laughs> but I want to talk to some of you about the dangers of being alone. You need to respect loneliness. Loneliness can destroy people. A lot of people don't respect loneliness. And and I can think of a few things that can crush a person worse than loneliness. Um, You know, you go to prison and you see grown men, murderers, killers, that... The guards can't break them. Jail don't break them. So you know what the prison does? They put them in solitary confinement. They put them, they put them in a room by themselves. And in, and in days, those men are, are curled up in a fetal position on the ground, begging to be let out. I'm telling you, isolation and loneliness and aloneness will crush you. It will crush you. And, and lonely people, and you, you may never hear this, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. You can come talk to me if you want a translation after church. Lonely people do strange things. Yeah, it's getting quiet. I didn't think I'd get an amen on that. Hallelujah. Lonely people do strange things. I'm going to wait till I get an amen. Lonely people do strange things. I was single for a long time. Like a long time. I remember I was preaching one time at a church. I, I told the church, I said, I was single for a long time. And there's a man in the back. He'd been single his whole life. He, I said, I was single for 10 years. He interrupted me. He said, 10 long years. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was single for 10 long years. And I can't tell you how many times, Sister Jessica, I forced myself. I, I lived in apartments by myself. I had studios and li- and I, I literally, the, I forced myself to go get roommates. I, I, I lived with people who, who could hardly pay the rent, but I'd rather live with somebody who struggles to pay the rent than live by myself. I, I, I lived with guys I didn't get along with, but I'd rather fight with somebody than with myself. <laughs> and I pushed myself. To get out of my house. And I pushed myself. Because I, I knew that just you stay by yourself. You get weird. Yeah. Yeah. 
And you, and you say, why, why, why are you saying this, Pastor? Because we were not made to be alone. We are social creatures. We are social creatures. We, I said we are social creatures. Amen. We are meant to be married. We're meant to be part of families. We're meant to be part of churches. We're meant to be part of nations, civilizations, cities. We're, we're, this is the way we're made. This is hardwired in us. And when we deny that, negate that, repress that, oppress that, we get weird. We need to lift our hands right now and pray. We need to lift our hands right now and pray. Jesus. 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 God, I praise you. 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 Hallelujah. God, I praise you. Somebody say amen. Amen. I'm just going to say this. I'm just going to say this. It doesn't matter if you are in a house. Some of you need to go ahead and break up with your smartphone. And, and I don't mean throw it away. But I'm, this is what I'm saying. You could be in a house full of, be in a house full of people. But if you're doing this, you all by yourself. Amen. Go ahead and break up with your smartphone. Let it know that he, he or she, whatever it is, will not be the first one you talk to in the morning. I'm telling my wife will tell you, I went out and bar- bought an alarm clock because I refused to touch my my phone first thing in the morning. You may think that's extreme. I think touching your phone every three seconds is extreme. I think being in my house with my kids next to me glued to my phone is extreme. Because they grow up fast and you don't get another one. And if you think those things are not made to keep you on them, you're deceived. Number one, they're all tactile. So not only are you tempted to touch it, it's easy for your kids to learn how to touch it. And if you leave your kids alone with the cell phone, you silly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But your cell phone even even operates as a mirror. They want you touching that thing. It's your clock, your mirror, your friend, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your social outlet, whatever. Go ahead and break up with your cell phone. And, and, get, and get remarried and show up to the Valentine's Day dinner. Hallelujah. And talk to your kids. Praise God. And get an alarm clock if you need to. But go ahead and get back into life. Go ahead and get back into life. Don't be alone. Don't be alone. Don't be alone. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Don't be alone. Somebody say praise God. That's enough of that. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Last but not least. When you're trying to get through adversity and you're trying to possess a blessing, find similarities. Everyone say, find similarities. similarities. What do you mean by that, Pastor Prado? This is what I mean by that. If you have a problem which shares the same characteristics as something else, you may be able to leverage the solution you applied to that other problem. What does that mean? Whatever you're going through, always ask yourself, have I ever gone through anything like this? You know, 
right? Like we all get sick, right? Everybody gets sick. Everybody has health issues. And you know, I don't, I, maybe it's because the way our society is structured right now, but just about everybody these days, you know, a headache is a tumor, <laughs> right? Chest pain is heart attack. <laughs> uh, ingrown toenail is gangrene and you just, and do not, do not Google it. <laughs> you just, you are dead. <laughs> you know, just, right? There's just this, this, this worst case scenario spirit in the air. And so me and my wife struggle with this. <laughs> so a lot of times, you know what we do just to diffuse that? The first question we ask is, have you ever felt anything like this? Yeah, last week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, two months ago. Yeah, I, it, 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 yeah, you're still alive. So it's probably the same thing. We don't know what it is, but it's it's the same. And so it went away, and this <laughs> is going to go away too. Amen. And so you got to. But when you're going through a trial, you always want to ask yourself: Is this trial like any other trial I've ever been through? Because if it is. I could apply what I used that last time to this. And if you don't believe me, let me read to you out of 1 Samuel 17 and 34. The Bible says, And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and took the lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine, known as Goliath, shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. When David went up to fight Goliath, before he ever opened his mouth, he asked himself one question that nobody ever heard. Have I ever fought anything like this before? He sized Goliath up. He said, he's about as tall as the bear. He's about as burly as the lion. He said, and I knocked both of them out. I can knock him out for sure. And he said, I got this. I can do this. He's no different than that last situation. He looked for the similarities. He looked for the pattern. Hallelujah. I don't care what you're going through. Ask yourself. Get, get alone. Turn the phone off. Get quiet and think really hard. Have I ever been through anything like this before? Because if I have and I'm here right now, how did I get here? What did I do? How did I pray? What did I ask? What did I seek? What? Because I can get through this and get the blessing. Oh, come on, let's magnify Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Somebody say amen. Everybody say welcome adversity. Everyone say build a team. Everyone say find similarities. When you do these three things, you not only secure your position to overcome your adversity, you also secure your blessing. Amen. You're going to get a blessing. You're not going to just bounce back. You're going to bounce back stronger. Somebody say amen. Amen. I want you to be blessed. I want you to live the blessed life. I want you to overcome. I want you to be like that Syrophoenician woman who says, you know what? My setback is not going to hold me back. I'm going to get the blessing God has for me. Somebody say amen. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 We're going to pray together right now just for a few seconds. Because I feel a wonderful presence of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Can we lift our hands right now? Hallelujah.
Jesus, I praise you. Oh, God, I love you. Oh, God, I worship you, Jesus.